This is Real Kipper and Board on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. A crazy weekend. What a way to kick off our show this week on this Monday. Nick Kiprios, Justin Bourne, Jen Rolnick, Derek Brandeo, and the next mayor of Toronto, Sammy McKee. <laughs> oh, boy. What do you think? You want the job? Uh, bit of a tortured uh, history with this position, I'd say. Maybe not. You're dressed for it. <laughs> Sam in sure. full suit today. All are missing uh, a scene. And he doesn't sound as good as he looks, though. Well, Thank you. Well, I got a little bit of a, you know. It's a big weekend, but I'm, I'm powering through for the boys. Oh, boy. Are you? We've I got, was trying. We've got Sammy on a little bit of a Super Bowl uh, hangover. No, no hangover. No just, hangover. Just a strained voice from yelling lot, at the TV. A lot of yelling involved in the game yesterday. and Yeah. Did and, you have Kansas City? I did. I had Philly. Did you? Yeah, I did. I did. I had, I I had, had KC. I had KC. I, you know, betting against my home sucks. So yeah. I didn't want to do it again. Just before we move on, mm. a Horrible holding call penalty that killed the last minute and a half. Yeah. Like, I, I, this is where the officials have to take somewhat yeah. of a page out of the National Hockey League. And if it's not a real blatant scoring opportunity, then you have to kind of lean against making the, the players call. figured out. So I actually, are you with me? hundred percent. I, I want to ask, I think Micah Blake McCurdy might be the guy for this, but I want to see in the NHL, how penalties are called by minute and how they decline late in games and overtime in playoffs. You have to murder someone in the third period yes. of a close game in the playoffs. Overtime in the playoffs in the NHL, you literally have can cut a guy's head off on the and, ice. And, and, still, you're and not, you'll you're have fine. people say, well, the refs are deciding it by not calling those penalties. And it's like, I don't know, not really. I'm with you. You got to let the boys figure it out. Come on. G- give us a minute and a half to see if they can get within uh, yeah. uh, the distance. To so send it's a little harder, a little more grabbing, a little more contentious. Overtime. Now, what? how did you feel about... Kansas City not walking in the touchdown and then playing out the, the well, last well, uh, right, 11 seconds brilliant. on the field goal. It's the right call, 100%. And it's, I don't know. It is. Of course it is. Well, I worked out. There's but no yeah. question. But tell me something. A bad snap? And where were you on that yeah, call? You, you want to see him get the points, no, eh? right? Kipper, there is just no question. There's no way that that was not the right move by him. Wow, it worked out great for sure. It did. All I know is the uh, my tweet about the game was that uh, you know I didn't not call in the NFL shiesty, but I'm not betting against them wanting Patrick Mahomes to do well and him getting a PI call in the final minutes. <sighs> Listen, I would be so mad if I was a Philly fan at the guy that held, and then he said after the game that he him. that he did hold him. Yeah. So you don't even really get to blame it was, the bad call anymore because the guy who held him said he held him. That guy cannot say that if you're a Philly fan. Like you, it would drive you insane it that he said a that. Catchable ball though, but that doesn't matter. Right? It's not pi. It's not. It's it's the hold before the yeah. ball. Like it's I'll, it's a hold. I'll take your word for it. I'm not. Listen, I'm not. You know, Gene Steratore over here. I'm not throwing <laughs> to me for rules expert, but I know that that's that was. It sucked to have it end that way, but it was a great game. Yeah, great and a great halftime show. Well, yeah. listen, we're. we're Glad you're looking so good. Thank you. Tonight we uh, 
I got uh, Sammy's my date tonight. Yes, that's we, special. Uh, How we're, romantic. We're dressed up a little bit. Uh, tonight will be uh, what they call a night with the blue and white, brought to you, by the way, uh, by Rogers. <laughs> so it's a Leaf Gala night. Cool. Uh, my wife's a little under the weather, battling, uh, I think I gave her what I had last week. Yeah, she's got the Ontario's so in February. Fi- yeah. Filling in for uh, Miss Anne Marie. Uh, my good buddy Sammy McKee. Your wife's not six six, is she? <laughs> I was reading. The, I was reading the details. It's like uh, Maple Leafs alumni and their significant others. And I'm like, <laughs> yes. Like, okay, you are another, and you're significant. <laughs> my significant producer. Yeah, that's sweet. That's how I'm going to introduce you tonight. I'm really looking forward to it, Kipper. The the only question is, Sammy, yes. is what kind of mood are the boys going to be in, I or their it. head coach Sheldon Keefe coming off? A regulation loss to the Columbus Blue Jackets Saturday night. At home. JB? I can't be good. You know, we're going to play some clips here from Sheldon. And all Kiefer was not not feeling it. You know, unfortunately for this team, you know, Sammy, you got this in the uh, in our lineup here. Maple Leafs this season against bottom eight teams have five wins and 13 tries. Five wins and 13 tries this year. Meanwhile, we were saying the Bruins are what? Like, I, I think they've lost one or two out of 12 or 13. Yeah. Something up like there. Like, they've gotten... 10, 10, 2, and 2 or something. Just, they pick up the found money and they move on. Meanwhile, the Leafs are kicking it into the gutter every chance they can get. So, you understand why there's some frustration. This one, I went to the game Saturday night, mm-hmm. and I'm watching that first period like everybody else. It's 2 nothing, and I don't think Columbus had... Three shots on goal in the first 16, 17 minutes of the game. And it looked every bit as dominant as it did 24 hours ago in Columbus. This was a back-to-back where you were going to take your four points and wave goodbye to the, the Blue Jackets. Yep. And something happened. Exactly what you're talking about happened. They felt that it was just going to be that. They're going to let us take our four points and be on our merry way. Columbus is already bad, let alone on a back-to-back. Surely they'll roll over. This is going to be easy. And then they played like that. All right, let's go to Sheldon Keefe for our first Kipper's Clipper of the week on where he saw the biggest issue Saturday night. Find it to be more of an effort situation or an execution situation? Effort. Yeah. Competitiveness. Simple. Oof. Oh, my God. You don't get any clearer than that. So we're still doing this? Yeah. We're still doing this? Yes. Every time they play a crappy team, we have to go through this again? L- let me ask you because I can, I can, getting sense, redundant. I can sense the emotion of you, Sammy, right now. And uh, it, I'm, I'm worried about taking you to the Blue and White Gala, no, to be, be honest with you here. I'll be fine. You're not going to uh, you know, cause a scene, are you? No. Because I am so low-key at these things. People won't even know I'm there. Kipper, I am an incredibly low-key person okay. I need to be. <laughs> so listen, get out your frustration in the next two hours. We're here for, me, for you. If you need to leave... Uh, lay, lay down on the leather couch yes, here. Come on, and we'll, we'll, we'll pull a, a blanket for you, and you can just start spilling your guts. What is the biggest disappointment or issue you saw Saturday night, Sammy? That we're still doing this. <laughs> that every... Like, I know nobody wins. There's no guaranteed wins in the NHL. Like, I understand that. But I think the Friday night would have been a more acceptable loss than mm-hmm. Saturday night. You know, you're coming back, first game from a break, you get caught. 
the fact that they kicked the crap out of Columbus, they come home and they lose on home ice after a dominant first period. Why are we st- always still having these let down spot conversations? It's oh, it's a yeah. epidemic with this team. It always happens. Columbus had 21 shots in the second period of that game. 21 shots. 40 on the game in Toronto for this defensively improved Leafs team. So where, where was the biggest breakdown for you? Like where where was the lack of competitive uh, competitiveness or, or lack of effort, as Sheldon put it, for you Saturday night? Forwards defensively out of the offensive end. Like, you know, you don't see guys covering, covering up for one another and defending out of their other end. The hard things. Didn't see much of that. Didn't see much scrappiness in front of the net. Clear in the front of the net. Yeah. yeah. Like the Corrali goal where they made it 3-2. Was it Corrali that scored yeah, the third Yeah, Morgan Riley is kind of... But he's just standing there yeah. whacking away at the pads and those battles in front of the, in front of, sorry, in front of the net's an effort thing. It's yeah. an effort thing. So, and they didn't have it. For me, the biggest switch was when Columbus took a physical aspect to the Leafs. Mm-hmm. Like the, the the physical battles that they just wanted the puck more. They fought for it harder. They outmuscled the Leafs. That, to me, was the biggest uh, look mm-hmm. that I saw Saturday night. And I, that, that's, that was the compete that Sheldon was talking about. They just wanted it more. And when they started to push a little harder, it almost looked like Columbus grew about two or three inches and the Leafs shrunk two or three inches. Yeah. They got run over Saturday night in the back half of that game. Until our boy Willie threw an elbow butt end combo in there, which, you know, not a great penalty, but I, I don't know. You know, do we want to weigh in? Do we want to hear Keith on some of the discipline? Did that get a, get away from them a little bit yeah, for you? Yeah, without a doubt. All right. Let's listen to Sheldon well, I mean, on that. I mean, when's the last time you've seen Willie Nylander retaliate or something like that? I kind of like it, to be honest. You know, they want to take runs at him every now and again. He's going to make the other team aware of it. Um, you know, but obviously in Bunt's situation, that's entirely different. You know, that's something he's, he's got to stay on that line. Okay, hold on for a second. Yeah, okay. this, is, this is where Sheldon got caught. You want to talk about discipline and not being in a, putting yourself in a position to retaliate, but he couldn't help himself. He's like, but I really liked yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> You're not supposed to do that, except if Willie wants to do that, he can. That's fine. So there, there's two messages there. Yeah. Well, the, the rules don't apply to everyone, and I don't know how you felt about your own coaches, but to me, you don't coach everyone with the same rules. Like everyone's like, ah, we have a guy who treats everyone the same, superstars, same treatment. That's not how it works. There are different rules for different people. Are there not? Oh, without a doubt. With, with no questions asked. And watching watching it happen and listening to Sheldon's comments mm-hmm. that like, everything that we've said about this team, he just validated for us. Yeah, All of those moments where you wanted somebody to step up and we've got we had a small window of it maybe three weeks ago with the the back to back games uh with Simmons uh fighting Felino in yeah. Boston and then the follow up game with a couple of the bottom six guys scrapping it out, Aston Reese coming uh, to the rescue of one of uh, one of his players getting hit. But 
all Sheldon did was validate that uh, I kind of like it. It's something that isn't in our, um, you know, in our repertoire when mm-hmm. it comes to uh, playing this game. It's not there. So that's what you kind of liked. It's it's kind of validating what's been missing maybe for him as a coach. Yeah. And, you know, the interesting part is how different it is for a guy like Bunting who, you know, we've talked on this show about how, it's gotten away from him a little bit in terms of getting the calls. He's not getting the calls anymore. He seems to be doing more to try to take penalties. Last year, he was a plus 13 penalty differential, as in he drew 13 more than he took. And this year, he's almost even. He's plus two. So, you know, I think that that message is much more about bunting than Willie. Yeah, and the line is literally plus two, like he's two away from it being bad. Yes. That's the, the actual <laughs> yeah. line is right there. Plus yeah. 13, he's playing on the right side of the line. Plus two, you're way too close to the line. Yeah, and he, yeah, it's, it's getting there. Certainly, it's different than it was last year. Did that unsportsmanlike call on him between the benches just completely, again, uh, I don't know another word to use, but validate how the officials look at Michael Bunting from here on in? I think that's a that should be a reality check for him that that's how he's going to be things are going to be called now you're you're a known guy at this point for for the refs and to me it absolutely has to now fair or unfair and there are times when he should get the benefit of the doubt and get the call but you've almost like lost that again fair or unfair mm-hmm. it doesn't really matter it's kind of gone. Yeah. And for me, in the last, what do we say they have? 28 games to go? Correct, yeah. 28 games to go. This guy has to be on his very best behavior. And you're going to draw penalties. Just the way he plays yeah. and how feisty He's in he the is, blue paint he will and, yeah. draw penalties. But you got to do them subconsciously now. Yeah. You cannot give any thought to kind of manipulating a situation or um, uh, uh, embellishing any more than how it just naturally plays out. For sure. Or else no long stares to the officials, no talking to them. If I'm Sheldon Keefe or any veteran like Morgan Riley, I'm grabbing him and I'm saying... You don't look to an official. You don't talk to him. You are, that's it. You're shut down. Yeah. Play the game and everything around it will look after for you. Mm-hmm. But you are not allowed now to uh, to go down that path any longer. Yeah, I agree with that. And, you know, he's a good enough player that he's a valuable contributor without any of those sort of antics. So aside from that element for bunting, do you think that loss on Saturday is indicative of a bigger problem with this team? Or is it just like good teams lose to bad teams all the time? But I feel like coming out of this weekend, we're hearing more drastic opinions on the Leafs. I, I don't know if you are, but talking to people I yeah. know with the Leafs, everyone's like, oh, this team. Well, everyone's at, so ready our, to quit on look them. Like, look at the barometer we have on the other side of the glass, <laughs> yeah. right? He, he, he's down today. Yeah. Sammy. Yes. This this one bothered you. It did. Where where does this where did Saturday night rank with you? Well, all season long and where would we where would we have and we've got a few choices mm-hmm. with 
losses this year. We had the one in Anaheim that's, early. That's what I was going to put it up against. Okay. We've got Phoenix, or I'm sorry, Arizona uh, Coyotes. Yeah. Uh, Detroit, I think. Yes. The Arizona one stands out to me in particular. But Detroit is not Columbus. Detroit's no. got good players. Like, to me, this is in the very, very top echelon of frustrating losses for the Leafs this year. Anaheim, horrible. But that was at the start of the year when it was going bad. This is just bad. You can't lose a team like this on home ice to me. No. Like, it's just, you sure you can get caught. I'm, I'm sound horrible. Sorry, boys. It's, <laughs> it's cracking. I thought I had no, you're it. You're good. You're good. Um, yeah, it's, it's a tough thing when you repeatedly do it. Yeah. Yeah. And it has been the trend with this group over the years, and they thought you thought they were past it, but say la vie. Are they better off to finish to just drop into the wild card, let Buffalo catch them guys and get Carolina? Okay, don't answer that. Let's go to Sheldon Kiefer. Uh, I think we've got uh, his thoughts on his bottom six. Yeah, it's just habit slipping. It's not just Pierre, it's the whole line. Um, now, yeah, those guys in particular, I mean, those guys, to me, last night, those were, they were our best line. Uh, and they, they were, had, had good things happening tonight as well. But we need to be able to really consistently, like that line, that's what they do. They, they got to be competitive. They got to be great defensively. They got to be um, physical, all those kind of things. And when all of that slips, um, that's not acceptable. So, you know, that's uh, really as simple as that. Angville shut down in the second period, did he not? Yeah. On the missed assignment? Yep. He got benched. He did. And it was a good benching. You got justified, yeah. Yeah, uh, you know, I think it's necessary for people on the team to see someone get benched, right? To see some, that's not a thing that he, Sheldon, utilizes very often, is taking away ice time. We haven't seen it a ton. So it was good to see, but frustrating not to get more response, I guess, from from the fellas. I think the weekend also is just another example that if if it's not Mitch and Willie yeah. and Tavares with his goals Friday night, if they're not going, they don't win. Yeah. Well, and, you know, I'm really hung up lately on the Ken Hitchcock comments about how if, you know, the top two lines saw off in playoff series. By the, you know, for the most part, good teams have two good lines, and those two lines saw off or thereabouts within a couple of goals, and then it's what else do you have? And the what else do you have question has been looming pretty large lately. They're giving some run to, you know, Steves and Anderson and you know, God knows who else, but that's not going to be the answer here. Are you okay with that? I mean, holding open auditions for the roster of the Toronto Maple Leafs in late February, early March? I think if you haven't found something, you better be. I don't know. You know, as opposed to just saying, here you go, or it's trade time. And I think we're safely at the point here. We're within three weeks of trade deadline where it's like, show us that we don't need to go get someone else. And if you don't, then we're going to go get someone else. That's where it feels like it's at for me. The the other one, too, for uh, the bottom six, to me, is just a, a little bit of a drop-off on, on camp. That yeah, he, interesting. He's not getting any looks. I, I don't know when the last time he scored. Great question. Uh, I, I would think we're, we're talking about 10-plus games. I think it's way more. You think it's way more? I do. I can't remember the last time he scored a goal. That's, he is the heart. Oh. 
of the bottom six. Oh, my God. Is he last, not? The last time he scored was in early December. Oh, wow. Two months since he scored a goal. Okay. Two months? All right. That's too much time for a guy who plays 15 minutes a night? Is that almost 20 games? What, what are we talking about oh, here? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That, to me, is uh, a... Yeah. yeah, that's a little bit of a concern. And, and listen, we, we know he, he almost 30. went a whole season without scoring in Chicago. He's not... Mm. It's not supposed to score. No. But there's but been... you're on the ice enough. 25 games. 25? Yeah. Thank you. There's been a different look for him since he's been a Toronto Maple Leaf, including one that creates more offense than he mm-hmm. ever did in Chicago. You can't go that long without a goal. No. As a, as a, a, a third-line guy. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, you're right. As a third-line guy who plays 15, 16 minutes, I've looked at the ice time among forwards, and he's... He sixth most uh, among yeah. forwards. So you got your four big guys. Yeah. Then I forget who would have snuck in there. Maybe Kerfoot or Yarncrock or someone. But then it's him. Yeah, you're going to need some output, and that that's why every time he scored in the past, it felt like gravy. Um, but yeah, four goals on the season for Camp so far this year. You know, last year felt like maybe it was the start of getting a little bit more from him. Also, maybe that helps you keep him because you're not going to have to pay him for a- any offense. And all these guys they bring up are just so similar, like Steve's. And Bobby McMahon, have they ever been seen in the same room? Oh, I disagree on that. But They're just guys that look good and can shoot it at yeah. the net McCann and don't score. Sees, I don't see anything. Yeah, well, he, had, he had like multiple chances in that game. Hit yeah. the post, got stoned. Yeah, like, that's right. Yeah, he actually ripped one off the post, didn't he? That's right. And he's had chan- he had a chance in the Friday night game. Like It's just another guy that kind of bring up here that shoots it towards the net and uh, kind of skates Mc- around. For me, McMahon's and- a power forward. Like, he can go bully the forecheck, take the puck from people, be in the blue paint. Steve's isn't. That should be good against. The only, better than Steve's. The only thing is, is like, you know, for me, it's, you know, if we're talking about a guy like Joey Anderson, it's, are, are you focused on him contributing offensively? Is that where the attention is for these guys? Are they all feeling a press... A, a, a press to put the puck in the net. I don't think so. And then, you know, then where is the look? Yeah. Is it a physical dominant look? Right. What's the identity? What's the identity of you if if you're not feeling the heat to score? There's too many guys who. What would you say? Aren't expected do to do anything but not be bad. You know, and they've proven they have a lot of guys who can look not bad, but who can do something. Who can move the needle in any capacity? Yeah. I, yeah. you know, Holmberg, sure. McMahon, I still think, is my favorite of that group outside Holmberg. But yeah. See, this is, again, I'm, I'm reading an article the other day on Joey Anderson, and I think they, uh, I read that he had a 68% uh, expected goals. Mm-hmm. I see Joey Anderson, and I don't expect to see goals. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Why are we talking about his expected goals? His when, line is who, who is expecting right him to to score goals? But you know what I mean? More but shots you, and chances. You understand what I'm saying here? I do. I do. Yes. And no one's expecting him to to contribute. I think the idea is that when he's been on the ice, the play has gone the right way. However, you know what's the point of those minutes if it's not you know okay they're not going to score they don't forecheck that's great that they haven't been caved in. There's also the other thing, Kipper, who are they playing against? Yeah. Who's Joey Anderson? They've played who? Columbus twice and someone else. He's playing Columbus. Boston. And, okay, Columbus and Boston. You're getting their fourth line. It's gone well through three or four games against the lower lines. Okay. Uh, it doesn't. 
doesn't teach me anything in the game of useful or useless stats. Yeah. Take any useless on that. You, you know, uh, Brendan Tanev is a guy that I kind of say that is your model fourth line type of player. Yeah. And now all of a sudden you look at uh, Vegas and they've had a pretty good week. And another guy on that, that uh, in that lineup is uh, William Carrier. Mm-hmm. Uh, to me is another like perfect fourth line guy. This guy is a mule yeah. and can move on the ice. And then I I looked the other day and he's got like 14 goals. Yeah, he's a player. 14. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah, that would be nice. Yeah. And I'm Real like little contribution in the bottom six. Just one of those that type of guy. Yeah. Where they just appear. Totally agree. Heavy. Just heavy and a yeah. pain in the ass, heavy. Right? Where you're just like, oh, not him again. I was again. more intrigued by the 14 goals part than, yeah. the he- you know, just someone in the bottom six, you go, oh. And I know we're supposed to, I'm supposed to go, oh, Engvall is on. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. <laughs> well, Engvall's supposed to be more than that. And there are windows when he's he's looked good. Yeah, he looks great against Columbus on a Friday <laughs> or, you know, whatever, for sure. Uh, one more, Sheldon Keefe. I think he was rather uh, yeah. short on. Uh, making it uh, apparent to everybody that uh, he doesn't play anymore. Uh, you guys talk to the players. I'm sure that you've asked them the same questions. It's, I can't do the work for them. Okay, it's clear now. He cannot step on the ice and actually do it for, for them. Right. I mean, that's as frustrated as we've heard, Keith. And I think you do reach a point as a coach where you go, you know, okay. Like how many, I've, I've, we've had these same discussions many times. At some point, it's on the players. Um, I'm, I'm, <laughs> yeah. Kinda. The one thing I I will say that's consistent with all of our uh, Kippers Clippers uh, this morning yeah. or this afternoon. Sorry, uh, he's smart enough to know that less is better. If you can't say something nice, <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's keep his mouth shut. <laughs> Savvy? Yes. Not much in the Kippers Clippers uh, uh, today. Out of Sheldon Keefe, and and good on him because, as JB just alluded to, uh, I can't get in too much trouble if I keep it short. Any new Samson Oliver Wool thoughts? That was the maddest I've seen him in a press conference, I think, this year. Just he was visibly steaming. He gets really hot in a way that you can't, like, get through to him. And I'm surprised we haven't seen it in the media more. I guess they've mostly been very good. is Is that a good thing? For the coach? No. No. That's not. No, no. <laughs> no, it is not. Yeah. But again, just to touch on the fo- uh, the fourth line, like, I, I like Sean Corrali. Yeah, I liked me him too. in Boston. Yeah. And like, he was a difference maker Saturday night. Yeah. He's a on, good player. On that bottom six and being matched up against Tavares on on occasion. I think they'll they get a Corrali out of there, couldn't you? No, I don't think so. Really? I don't think so. Doesn't seem like a two point five. Is he really? Oh, that's two five. Two five. Way more than I would two have guessed. Two five till twenty twenty five. So for two more years after this one. Oh, I liked him, but geez, I had no idea he was on that contract. I take him. I, I, I think he's a big nut. Former too. He could shut down. <laughs> take guys. more than Engvall. You one or the other? Oh, I take uh, Corrali's a proven playoff guy. Yeah. With the Boston Bruins. Yeah, he scored in game seven against the Maple Leafs once right. upon a time. He, he, he was Nick Paul before Nick Paul was Nick Paul uh, last year. <laughs> he was. Okay. 
I, I can I can see that. So I do I couldn't help but watch that game without watching for potential pieces that the Leafs could go after. Uh, oh my gosh! Any new thought? You Gavrikov's in the game. First liner, second liner. <laughs> well, but that's it. You're Where do you want the- to start? They. Saturday night, they're leaking oil everywhere. The Leafs were. Yes. Yeah, but I mean, I was watching for Gavrikov. Um, okay. You, you know, right. like a sense for, I was watching Boone Jenner, like watching for these guys who could potentially become available that could help the Leafs. Sammy and I did Leafs talk on Friday night. He didn't love Gavrikov. It wasn't a part of all the great highlights, but I can see how Gavrikov could be a big help for the Leafs. Like he's big, skates. He's he's David Savard. Took a penalty being right. a meatball. That's nice to see. Not that we encourage penalties, but he's mad at of, someone. Coach of the Leafs does. Yeah. Like Willie. So grease it up out there a little bit. The only question is, is again, like anything else, what's the price and how far you want to go? And uh, rentals versus someone substantial that uh, you could fit into your, your cap in the next year or two. Mm-hmm. Anything changed for you in terms of what you want to see the Leafs do over the weekend? Oh, gosh. Um, yeah, I was a little uh, perturbed like everybody else for Saturday night. Yeah, I, uh, There's so many things that uh, bothered me about Saturday night. And, uh, you know, and I'll include Sheldon Keefe as well in this. Yeah. Um, you know, what I didn't like is that it's a back-to-back night but you're at home, and you got to ask Mitch Marner to play almost 29 minutes. Did you see Marner's ice time? 28, I don't know what it finished. 50 or something? The second most oh. or a forward all year? No. Ridiculous. 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 Yeah. And it's even more ridiculous, again, that you're at home against one of the worst teams in the league. In game 50. And, and you, need, you need Mitch Marner on the ice for five minutes in the last, in the third period, Played almost all the five minutes. Yeah. He could he barely came off the ice. Like, come on. Mm-hmm. There's no excuse to need to put that on Mitch Marner when you've got 28 games to go. Yeah. And you're supposed to be gearing up for the playoffs. Yeah. I, I did not like that. I didn't like that. I, for Isn't me, that more of a comment on the personnel, though, Kip? Like, what other options? Yeah, you're trying, option the third you're trying to you win the, the option game. is? What? Like, I, I'd rather I'd rather uh, lose learning a lesson than trying to uh, win like that. Yeah. You know, I think it's probably hard on the bench in a one-goal game to zoom out to that point, but I think you're right. Like, I think you'd much rather go with, you know, the guys who have been failing and say, see, here's why we failed – Rather than go, we went to the one guy who was performing, yeah. we didn't get it done. Yeah. And I know there's TV timeouts and there's, yeah. you know, uh, different scenarios. No, 29 where, minutes is way it's just, too much. It's, he, he's going to get caught again. Relying on these guys too much. and You if can't they, blame them in the playoffs. No, they don't have anyone else. That's the plan is these guys are the plan, you're, you're, which you're, is a Dubas thing. You're not, you're not going to leave anything in the gas tank for a guy like that going in. If I'm Sheldon, I just need to get through the round. And if I don't have anyone else to put on the ice, that's, you know, what do you want me to yeah, do like, here? I, I so, don't I don't blame him for having him out there for the last four minutes. It's like, well, I, you know, do I have a better chance with 
the Marley crew in the bottom six to get a goal. Like, he's the best yeah. player on the team by far in the lineup. You got to play him. Timo time. What Bring us Timo Meyer. Like, I've played with experienced coaches where they would be, like, they would know that, that that's where it's headed and trending, mm-hmm. and they would almost not put out their best players to yeah. try to find so a way to salvage it. these guys aren't going to save you. So he can turn around to his general managers and see, say, see, see what you got me? Yeah. But that's a different relationship between Sheldon and, and Kyle. Right. But, but I, I still think that would happen to some extent. You know, I could see them being frustrated with a lack of options and saying, yeah. you want me to put Steve's that, out or is it, it Anderson it, or is it Holmberg or is it Aston yeah. Reese or is it... When I, when I saw almost 30 minutes for Mitch Marner on a Saturday night at home against the worst team in the league, yeah, I'm like, that's just not right. <laughs> Those optics. Yeah. That ain't great. Now, where would you, like, look over your shoulder. It's Tampa Bay coming. What kind of... What kind of feeling would you go into a first round against Tampa if you've lost home ice advantage here? Where is the optics and the feel and the energy if, in fact, this thing slips? I think it'll work for the Leafs. You do? I do. I just feel like... They so play- so it's, you don't have that much of an emphasis on it? Then, to my point, then yeah. even more, don't go and for play sure. Mitch 29 minutes. I just feel like because of the trend we're talking about, how they go out against dogs and play like dogs... You have to present them with a challenge to get the most out of them and say, it's Tampa Bay and they have home ice. Like, we need your very best. Like, it might be the thing that gets every little lick of attention. I'm not saying you want to not have home ice. Of course you want to have home ice, but it's just so hard to get their attention unless it's a big game. It's a concern. Interesting, no Matthews. You know, do we think differently you should be able to win without Matthews against Columbus at home, right? Yes. Should, is he coming back soon? Do we have any? I think he skated. Uh, he skated. Skated. So I, what do we have? Chicago, Chicago Wednesday. Wednesday night. Yeah. Probably and then, let him uh, sit that one out. Is it Wednesday, Saturday? I think Wednesday, so. Saturday, Sunday. Yeah. So it's a, See you Saturday night. If it's not against Chicago, you give him another full week. He should be fine by then. They projected three weeks. I yeah. don't think there's anything that uh, has changed otherwise. No. But, uh, see, the one thing that, you know, when I listen to you say that, yeah, maybe it'll be enough to change up things. Yeah. But two trends that really bother me is continuing to lose points to bad teams. Mm -hmm. And the last few years, the, the, the trend on the power play in the back half, yeah, going south, real south. And are you just a hoper now that there's a switch that you hit and everything will be fine, or do you buy into? I don't like this trend. I don't like where it's heading now. Just don't know what to do about it outside of getting new personnel. You know, the I had an article in the Power Play last week, which we talked about in the show. Um, you know that it has consistently they've started years good and kind of got worse as the year has gone on. Do you feel like they need a quarterback? Like I know it seems like Chikrin is out now, likely not to be a Toronto Maple Leaf. Like, yeah, I, I just think, uh, I, until a deal's done, everybody should be available and everybody should be in the mix of, uh, conversations until it's, you're told otherwise. Yeah. Leafs are now top five in the league in power play. In power play percentage. Yeah, they're yeah. fourth in the league now. It's crazy. Do you like their power play? No. 
That's no. The, that's the best, worst power play. It is. Shocking. You know, I think people hear us and go, you know, what are the standards or whatever? But it's like when you have four guys who make whatever money they make, you, the expectations are very high that they be as good as they are. But it just seems to happen because they have talent and they do a game-breaking thing. They make a play. It's not like there's some routine structure where they're like, oh, they're lethal because they they just have good players on the ice. It doesn't seem like a structure thing when they have success. Yeah. Yeah. Just the one opportunity Saturday night and Morgan Riley ended up with a, a power play goal, mm-hmm. which sure felt good for him. But Did you see play. that stat I put in the lineup there? Which first one? power play goal from a defenseman for the first – it was the first time in 69 games that that had happened for the Leafs. First power play goal from a D-man in 69 games. For, for a Not top nice. five percentage. Not nice. Not nice. No. For a top five percentage. Yeah. Yeah. It's, That's crazy. That's a crazy number. It's crazy, too, is if you think about the Leafs power play forwards, those four guys, who's a great power play scorer? Like, who's scoring? <laughs> They're top five, like Matthews. Matthews, Willie. They're all good. Yeah, they're all good. I don't know. It's not like they have Ovechkin or I don't know. McDavid, it's who just right. McDavid Drysaddle doing yeah. the thing. I don't know. Uh, thoughts on Wall Saturday night? I don't have any. <laughs> <laughs> no, like I watched him. I was like, he wasn't terrible. He's fine. Would have liked yeah. him to cover the one up that gets loose. That was the uh, where he couldn't corral it. Right? Yeah, he had a stick in his glove. Yeah. At one point there, but like. I don't know. I didn't really fault him for any of the goals. I didn't come away with it with a take. I will. The one thing I did notice is he seems very technically sound. Like he's very yeah. good position. Movements are clean, sharp. Like he looked like a goalie to me. Wooly the goalie. Nice. He looked good. But I don't know. What am I? I thought Samsonov was good on Friday. Even though they didn't have a ton of chances, I thought he made some good saves. Nice shutout. I thought he was good Friday night. So that's, yeah. that's important. Trending for sure yeah. for him 100%. now. Yeah. Like he, would you even consider if Matt Murray was healthy today to play possibly against Chicago this week that there would be enough time for him to get you, Sammy, to believe that he could be a difference maker in the playoffs? No. Or there's just no matter what he does, back-to-back wins, a, a nice little stretch. Oh, there's enough time. Is there enough time? There's enough time, but he's got to get I think, hot. I think when he was playing really well, you never thought it was going to end. And yeah. then when it did end... My faith was completely pulled out. <laughs> it's like, like I, 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 don't, I don't know place. if I can. I don't know if I can drum this faith back up in Murray. Yeah, like it's going to take. I would a say lot. what's the challenge for Murray now is I don't know that any teams like were he a UFA this year. I don't know that any team would invest in him because of his injury history. He just is not available enough. And so maybe in the playoffs he's healthy for the perfect time and he could be good when he's healthy. But it doesn't feel comfortable knowing that. You know, getting in and out of his car every day could be the, the next thing that costs him a week. In the last three weeks, I've seen enough examples of a high ankle sprain where I said, Patrick Mahomes, done. done. I know. Like, how, I, how is he hobbling I saw someone back tweet. into a, 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 a... I got some thoughts here, boys. How can he do it? He's milking it. You think he, you think he milked Buddy, it? As a diehard Tiger Woods fan... I know when a man is milking it. <laughs> it's like, oh, he hits a bad shot, and all of a sudden his back's the a little wins. tight. Yeah. You know? I also saw runs, someone say, I runs. want once in my life to be on whatever amount of drugs yes. Mahomes is right now. He ran perfectly, and then he gets up, and he's like, oh, limp, limp. Yeah. 
His run, his run was incredible. Yeah, and then he limps after. We just saw you run perfectly. You don't need to limp. He's a, one of the best like, ever. I'm here but he, for was, that he was milking it hard. It's, there's a lot of times we, we give athletes so much benefit of the doubt because they're incredible athletes, and they're like, but he's also a little bit. Can can we hope milking. that Matt Murray's milking something with his ankle? I don't know. I don't know. I got to think. What we I presume is a high ankle sprain for a goalie is going to be really hard to overcome yeah. the rest of the season. Well, then they may need another goalie here, even though Duba said they didn't. You know that, what you need is you need him to come back pretty, soon right? enough so he can get hurt again and you can know you need a goalie. That's um, what you need to happen. And my, my Corpus Allo idea wasn't the worst idea. Uh, he looked pretty good on Friday night. What, what we saw out of Elvis... Rizlikens Saturday night mm-hmm. was reminiscent of Leafs beaten out. Yes, he was good uh, by was, Columbus. Really good. in the bubble. Yeah, he was really good. Really good. Yeah. And he he's had an awful year. Like they flashed his numbers up, and I was like, Oh my god! <laughs> I know. Hide the children. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah. But he was he was lights out. He had a few uh, ten bellers. Yeah, for sure. Saturday night. Okay, let's take a quick break. Anthony Stewart, hockey analyst with Sportsnet, former NHLer. He's gonna. He's going to talk Leafs. He's going to let us know what uh, Bunting needs to do to maybe win back uh, some of the uh, the officials here in the last 28 games. And in the back hour, guys, come on, Sammy. Should have teed this up right from the get-go. Bruce Boudreaux, oh, Gabby, yeah, Gabby will stop by. House. And uh, he's back in the media. So uh, do you think there's time between now and the commercial break we can have, have him do a cameo for us? <laughs> They're what's so he, good. What's he charging? I don't know. <laughs> Can but... he do one for real Kipper and Bar- You know what? We won't pay for it. We'll just get him to do it on our show <laughs> after the break. Brilliant, Kipper. Sounds like a good idea. Right. Okay. Gabby, Anthony Stewart. We've got a ton still to go on real Kipper and Born. Back after these words. Smart takes on the biggest stories in sports. The Fan Drive Time with Ben Ennis. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, let's bring in Anthony Stewart, hockey analyst with Sportsnet, former NHLer. And I got to come to you, Stewie, right off the bat because uh, my crew here believe that Patrick Mahomes last night melted the whole high ankle <laughs> sprain thing and it was conveniently uh uh used to uh gain sympathy and create this mystique that uh you know he he won the super bowl with one leg where where were you, where are you because in all honesty it never crossed my mind but now these guys have me thinking about that do you think he melted it well, I'm not sure if you've been following social media. I think it was all part of the script, right? So we're talking about uh, being scripted, and that uh, is a perfect script. But, you know, I think for Mahomes, it just adds to the mystique of what type of def- uh, you know quarterback he is, one of the greatest of all times, and they're pegging them that already. So hurt, unhurt, you know, they got a lot of good drugs, especially at the uh, <laughs> NFL level. So even if he had a fake leg, <laughs> I think he'd still be good to go. <laughs> Did you make goat curry for the Super Bowl? Curry goat. It's curry goat. Curry, but, curry uh, goat? Okay. 
No, we had actually stew peas. So uh, my dad's brother's visiting from England, so he made an, uh, he made stew peas, which is uh, just as exotic looking, but uh, just as equally as good as well. Right. <laughs> good to know. Um, so the less exciting part of the weekend was when the Toronto Maple Leafs played the Columbus Blue Jackets um, on Saturday night. Not their best showing, Stewie. Do you have a greater takeaway from that game than, you know, just a bad night by a good team? Well, I'll start this off by saying this is not a paid advertisement. I'm not an agent uh, provocateur of the, uh, you know, Toronto Maple Leafs. But remember, this is the second game back from All-Star break. I went down there. I took some of our mentorship kids down there from the weekend. And I still got that uh, All-Star weekend hangover. So, you know, you're coming back from taking a couple days off. It takes time for the body to recover. And, you know, first game you play guilty, it's the second game where it really hits you. So I haven't really heard that take where saying, like, hey, it's the first couple days back. You know, you saw their first practice. Guys are hunched over. Guys are breathing heavy. It takes some time. So, yes, you want to be able to get those points, those valuable points that could come in handy or not versus some of the bottom teams. But, you know, if we were talking 10 days from now, yeah, I'd be very, very concerned. But I think this is probably just an outlier of, you know, the great season that they've been having. But, yeah, you don't want to be giving up a 2 nothing lead. They came out really, really strong. Uh, you want to help out a young goalie who potentially could be in the net for you, you know, down the line. Uh, a lot of things went wrong, but, you know, I was looking for us to point the finger at something, and I'm like, oh, maybe they got to block more shots. Morgan Riley had five, six block shots. They had a couple breakdowns, um, a couple uh, brain farts, brain cramps, as they would say. But, you know, that's that for me, that's a given coming back the first couple games after All-Star break. So, Stewie, uh, lack of compete or lack of discipline, you – we heard from Sheldon Keefe uh, on a few of our clips uh, to start our show. Not as big of a concern for you as it was for him? Well, I don't think it was that big of a concern. I heard his comments, but he was probably just putting them on notice saying, guys, we got this last final stretch here, last 20 games, where it's so much harder to get power plays and score goals. You're not going to be scoring four or five goals a game. You're going to have to find a way to get points because – you know, I think a lot of fans don't realize here, um, you know, there's a win and there's an easy win, right? When you have to have this emotional roller coaster of battling back and every single game's going down to the last minute, that weighs on you really, really mentally and emotionally, and that can really affect your game. So, you know, for me, that should have been an easy win, but I understand that. But I think for him, he's just like saying, guys, we've already set the bar. We set the barometer of how we have to play for the rest of the season. You know, we can't have, we're not, we're not going to accept um, this, uh, you know, this step back. So again, I think the real test is how their next game is going to be. Are they going to step up and, and really take it to the next level? That first five, 10 minutes will be indicative of they're really, you know, ready, ready to take the next step, as they would say. So Stu, you tend to be pretty bullish on the Leafs like myself. I mean, this is a good team that's had success for a lot of years, just hasn't come in the playoffs yet. How much different do you think they need to look personnel wise than they currently look? How much do they need to add in the next three weeks? Well, uh, I'm not an analytics guy, but I actually, I, I, I listened to somebody tweet about it the other day, and I guess in the last five years, five on five, they're 21st in the NHL in, in scoring. So I think they need to now find a way, you know, to have a guy score five on five. And you're looking at a player like Bunting, who's taking a lot of the uh, criticism as of late, you know, he's got 30 even strike points. And, you know, I don't think uh, any of the other top four have 40 points. So I think for them, they need to get a, get a guy that you know is going to step up and put up points five on five. So who is that? Is that going to be Patrick Kane? I know he's struggling. I know they probably don't have the assets to get them, but, you know, maybe a top six guy. But I honestly think Nice is going to come in, step in, and be a guy. He's, you know, he's trending in the right direction. I know it's a lot of pressure to put him in to a top six role right away. Yankroak's filling in admirably as well, too. But, 
You need to go up and down and look at the analytics. Justin, that's your job, not okay, mine. Okay, okay. Really see who is that guy, rain, <laughs> rain, sleep, or snow, or shine. He's stepping up, and he's going to score that big goal five on five. Who is that guy? It's not me. I don't know, bud. <laughs> We're joined by Anthony Stewart, hockey analyst uh, with Sportsnet. So uh, two uh, physical altercations, if we call it anything, Saturday night. And you had mentioned bunting. He was in one of them. Willie Nylander in the other one. Both didn't fare well when it came to drawing penalties for the Toronto Maple Leafs. But where are you on on that and and particularly in bunting uh, at times, maybe crossing the line. And, and your thoughts on Willie Nylander showing a side of him that we really haven't seen before, Stewie. Well, I think with bunting, you know, he he, cross, he, he walks the line and sometimes he does cross it. But, you know, we, we go back to a, a former Maple Leaf that crossed the line uh, habitually big and, and, and Nazem Kadri. And you look at this roster and you're saying, what, who, who are they missing right now? It's Kadri. So you have to take the good and the bad with, with bunting you know he drags his team into the fight and, and a team that sort of gets into the lulls sometimes you really need a guy like him to say hey, keep the other team accountable and it's not just the punches after the whistle it's the you know yapping at the bench i used to be like man like let me just get through this game and i got a guy yelling at me at the bench for no reason and you know with nylander you know he's got to start sticking up for himself i love things like that too because the intimidation factor is a big big point of the game i used to go against guys and if I knew I could get an edge on him physically, I'd give him a little face wash, I'd give him a little eye gouge, a little you know punch in the stomach, but it went both ways. If there was another team that had a guy that I was like really, really worried about physically really doing some damage to me, I know we're talking about you know, 10, 15 years ago and I sound like a dinosaur, I would settle down. So the physicality and the intimidation is a big part of the game and it is going to be like that, especially in playoffs. So when you have Nylander sticking up for himself, you know, you have that defenseman who went against him the other night and said, you know what, I'm going to take an easier target. Let me go after somebody else. So it's good to see. I like it. And I saw Keith's comments. That was perfect. and nailed it right on the head there that you want to see him stick up for himself because, again, he's a big, big player. and You don't have to worry about him taking a step back because he's worried what's going to happen to him physically out there. Yeah. You know, we've been talking here about the power play a little bit and, like, should we be concerned about it as you head into playoffs? It's kind of let them down the postseason in the past you know, they're, they're a top five power play in the NHL, though, Stewie. So do you think it's overblown, the, these concerns about the power play? Because it has dried up pretty consistently in the in the playoffs. Yeah, for me, it's, you know, uh, this team is very, very talented. And I think sometimes they try to overcreate, you know, a lot of those scene passes. And you're looking at some of the other power plays that have, you know, they have the big shot. They have the big one tee. Uh, they have, they're really, really good on puck retrievals, but they, sometimes they just go back to the basics and shoot for sticks and redirect second and third opportunities where, you know, this team can now try to set up the bumper play or, or go cross seam, back double-double cross seam, globetrotter it up. So that's my concern, but it seems to be working for them right now. So I, I see as you get to game 60 and 80, you know, you're going to see maybe the second unit, instead of getting garbage time, maybe getting 45 seconds to see what they can do. Because I remember a couple of weeks ago before uh, the break, they were scoring some big goals as well. So I think I want to see a little bit more uh, variety with with the personnel. Um, I don't want to see the five forwards. I know I know you're advocating for that, Justin, and uh, maybe Kipper as well. I don't know. I got to check the tape on that. But <laughs> get back to the basics. Get back to the basics because in playoffs, it's 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 so hard to get that extra inch and keep it fancy. You got to take what you get out there. Justin, uh, earlier in the show, Stewie told me that with 28 games to go, there's still some time for Matt Murray to come back and and uh, and reestablish something. Uh, before that can happen, he's got to solidify the backup role right now uh, because it's Samsonov's net. But in your opinion, who should the Leafs be focusing on to groom to at least 
put themselves in a position uh, to back up? Is it uh, Wall or is it Matt Murray? Well, I hope uh, I hope Sam's on break here because I heard him going crazy about uh, Murray not saying there's enough time. But again, this is the the, the problem that I think that the Maple Leafs wanted to have. Where is it going to be Samson or Murray? Yes, you want to see a little bit more consistency. You want to see Murray stay healthy. But I still think there is some time. If he comes back in the last, you know, say it's 17, 18 games and he gets in a groove where he plays three, four in a row, I think that's all it would take for him to really, you know, get that number one position. And I, and I think earlier on in the season, he was poised to be that guy. But I think the Maple Leafs and bringing both guys in, they wanted to have that problem where, you know, they're pushing each other every single night. You know, one guy might get back to back and then the other guy sits and then comes in and steps up. I think that internal competition uh, is really going to push the group. But as you get to the last, you know, 10 games, I think you want to know who the guy is going to be. So there's still a lot of time before we get there. But, again, I haven't lost face to Murray. You know, he went from Vesna contender to waiver, get him on waivers, send him down, bring up, uh, you know, airs. So, again, it, it's a topsy-turvy in the coverage of it. But, again, I think the Maple Leafs, they know that they're going to have a good problem to have in deciding if it's going to be Murray or Samsonov. Stewie, how do you judge a coach? You know, like, it's tough to judge Sheldon Keefe. He's had so much success in the regular season. They haven't won that game seven yet. When you evaluate an NHL coach and the job they're doing, what what are you looking for? Well, I think just managing the group, right? And, you know, you have to manage different expectations, different egos, different uh, tax brackets. I think he's done an admirable job of that. When's the last time you heard a hot mic moment? Um, you know, from this group. And I think it was maybe October, November. Uh, so to be able to do this in this market, uh, the one thing I can say about Sheldon Keefe, you know, I've talked about it before, you know, he's in the community. You know, we had some kids yesterday, they were signing autographs, taking the subway with the team. I've seen him at the arena. He's really embracing the role of ambassador of being a Toronto Maple Leaf coach. So I give him full marks. Um, I would not want to be coaching. I'm coaching a a top flight uh, U10 player. I would not want to be coaching a $15 million player and having to manage those type of players every single day. So, but ultimately you're going to be judged in the playoffs and you have to have success. That's where in the winning business, it's the success business. And I think ultimately that's how he's going to be judged. But uh, his time that he's been the head coach here, again, I, I have to give him an A because again, all those other factors and being in this market of Toronto, he's doing a great job. Stewie under three weeks to go for the trade deadline, uh, limited assets, that Kyle Dubas can play with here. Uh, where do you focus first? Uh, this, this team is built around the big four and them stepping up. So I know we're talking about adding uh, a second line winger, but again, it's going to come down to if Matthews, Marner, Tavares, and Nylander step up and have a plus series. Uh, so I think you got to now redirect the focus to defense. I'd like to see a little bit more depth, maybe a little bit uh, a power play asset back there. I know Timmons has been playing well. He signed his two-year extension as well. Uh, but again, do you go out, do you get an echo? Can you get a Dumba? The assets are very few and far between. Uh, so again, a puck moving D, a guy that can step up. So, you know, Kipper, I, I always use your line. I've stolen it and I've used it for TV. You need eight, nine, 10 defensemen to go on a run. I think they need to add one, possibly two more. Yeah. Totally agree, pal. All right, last yeah. one for me, Stu, is just I want to get your thoughts on the, the, the Leafs' bottom six and what they should want from them. In the past, the fourth line's role hasn't been clear with Spezza and some guys like that. Like, what should they be hoping to get out of their fourth line now? Well, I, I always go back to my day when I got called up uh, to the Florida Panthers and I went back down to the Rochester Americans where we shared an affiliate with the Rochester Americans and Clark MacArthur used to always read my stat sheet. I'd come back with zero, 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 zero goals, zero assists, zero, and zero pims. And he'd call me the ghost of Christmas pass. And he'd be like, woo, <laughs> So you need something. You need something. You need some hits. <laughs> nice you need guy. some hits. You need some truculence. 
you need to be blocking shots. So just a little bit more depth. I go back to my international ice hockey game where you have the chubby guy, the skinny guy, and the medium guy. You need a little bit more variety back there. Where it's just teams, <laughs> the bottom six. It's the same guy. It's the same guy. So, and, and, you know, I have a little bit of a, and again, Leaf Nation, this is your job to know. You know, I couldn't tell the difference between Cash and Camp, and I know Camp is playing really, really good hockey last year, but to me, they were the same player. Uh, so, again, just a little bit more variety, a little bit more size, a little bit more truculence. And, again, I don't think this is the last you've seen about Wayne Simmons. I think he can step up and, and uh, you know, be inserted into a series and, you know, change the, the tone of it physically. So just a little bit more variety, but... Again, don't be like me. Don't be the ghost of Christmas past. Do something out there, please. <laughs> Very well said, Stewie. Always appreciate you coming on our show. Uh, thanks for doing this. All right. Thanks a lot. Go Leafs, go. Thanks, buddy. Anthony Stewart. Fun. Oh, yeah. Now. Okay. So he kind of talked everybody off uh, the ledge that uh, apparently, much like Sammy, it's an all-star hangover that caused wow. the loss Saturday night, and it, there's not uh, as many red flags as maybe others would think. You buy it? Well, it's tough to know what to ascribe to what, but not entirely. <laughs> uh, only because we showed the record before that they've played 13 games against the bottom eight teams in the league and won five. You know, so were it not a part of a larger trend, I would definitely be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I can see it. It is a little harder when it's something that they have done here for a bit now the other thing i want to get to and uh, we're going to go to break and we got uh bruce boudreau coming up uh, after the break so uh you're not going to want to miss that uh the one thing that kind of stood out for me a little bit saturday night too is a drop off on the blue line mm-hmm. and i don't know sammy was it a month ago we were maybe even shorter three weeks ago we were talking about Lilligren and Sandine stepping up now. Mm-hmm. And if we envision seeing them as a, a top power, pl- uh, I'm sorry, a top uh, playoff pair and matching up, there's times when I saw Sandine bumped off of pucks a little too easy Saturday night. I did not like Justin Hall's game at all Saturday night. Yeah. Where are we now on that blue line? Where we are now. I feel like everyone has if you if you ask most Leaf fans to draw up how they see game one of the Stanley Cup playoffs on the back end, I think most people have Sandine at seven. You know, like that there's going to be someone else brought in. There's going to be a heavier presence on the bottom pair. We seems to be consensus that Lilligren has passed him, I think, in terms of team people's comfort level and offensive upside. So yeah, because of the getting bumped off pucks, and Justin Hall is another guy. He's going to be in. I mean, Hall is going to be in. They, they, it's, it's. But you cr- want him to be your third pair guy, it's, ideally. It's crazy to assume that if you think you're, if the Leafs are going to get help, it won't cost them somebody in the roster. Well, so, but, but contending teams don't do that, right? They don't take away from the roster trying to win a cup. Unless you just don't think those guys can help you win a cup, which well, again, is in itself an option. You can make that statement. And and how much, how deep in the help department do you want to go? When you guys brought in a bunch of people with the Rangers before yeah. your cop, how many people went out? Uh, quite a few. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, the, the biggest one and a guy that actually went on to have great success in Chicago was Tony Amante. Tony oh, yeah. Amante was a big name, uh, a, a USA, hockey USA guy, uh, all-star legitimate 30 goal score Mm -hmm. that was the cost for Matteau and Noonan who ended up being historically as good as any bottom six pickup yeah 
They were phenomenal. Was it Mateau, Monte Mateau playing with two second double, line at the time? Mateau with two double overtime goals yeah. uh, that uh, certainly are a big part of history now. Where was Amante in your lineup prior oh, to that? Uh, Prominent. Four, uh, yeah. three, four, five. Yeah. On on the depth chart, three, and four, five. You guys five. were first in the league. You traded your three, four, five. Great for uh, depth. Messier, Graves, yeah, you know Larmer, but yeah, uh, Amante would have been uh, a guy that could easily find himself playing with Messier, yeah, or uh, second line. How did you guys feel about losing a guy of that prominence for bottom? Yeah, it was quite depth. shocking to be yeah. honest with you. Yeah, uh, that they would give up, but. That's what historically has happened this time of year, that you have to give up something to get something good. Yeah. Could be and a bit of a wake-up call, too, where it kind of shakes the room up and goes, yeah. oh, crap. You know, the question is... serious. It's because it's never is, really happened. In is, that, this. is that where the Leafs are at now? They, uh, is, does Kyle need just to shake the tree right now? Well, they're going to. You know, like, I don't think we're sitting here on March 4th and we're going, well, same guys. You know, like, I, I do think fundamentally the team will be the same. But, like, there's going to be a couple of new bodies, which I think shakes it up a little bit, unless it's purely bottom of the lineup, guys. The problem is, is you know, the good, the good news back then is you could just make trades and yeah. add and there was no restrictions other than you saying yes or no yeah. to what you're you like. Boy, that sounds great. And now, as we well <laughs> documented fun, last week, you are up against this flat cap. You're up against no trades, yeah. no moves. And it I don't know how many good players are really out there. I don't know. <laughs> right? Yeah. How many? Can, yeah. be, can be difference makers. Well, and I don't know how much of a difference I feel like the biggest names can make. So there's this divide between Ryan O'Reilly, Patrick Kane, Jonathan Taves. I don't know what they are, 30-some point guys right now in 40-some games. How much are they going to move the needle yeah. versus these bottom-end guys that maybe you can find someone who really contributes meaningfully but is a smaller name? You know, there's there's tough decisions. Wow. The other thing, too, is... How healthy are certain guys? How healthy is Pat Kane right now? How healthy is Jonathan Taves? They've got issues there. Yeah. How... I'm glad we get to see them on Wednesday night. The... This is funny. We're getting to see all the Leafs... tour here. Of... Leafs got burned with Nick Foligno. He mm-hmm. was not healthy. Yeah. Comes in. You should be able to return him at the hurts store. His... <laughs> hurts, <laughs> your, your... hurts his back. back. Remember, he, he, yeah. he hurt his back right away. Yeah. That that's a that's a tough pill when well, you like give it up. Taves different than that a, a somehow. Fir, a first and a fourth. He hurt his back on the most innocent play. Remember, he was like skating towards the net in Montreal and kind of just stopped up and just like yeah. his whole back gave out basically. That's great. Yeah, that was before the playoffs. Happened. Oh, and that was a big part of uh, the documentary too, didn't they? Don't you remember seeing Nick Foligno kind of crawl on the floor? Yeah, when he came in off the ice in Montreal. Yeah, and then he, they they followed him into the. Uh, the trainer's room, he could, and he's apologizing too. Yeah. Like how bad did he feel? Like he's letting people down. That was. It's going to be an awful feeling. Awful feeling. Knowing that you're, you know, your hometown team, the one that traded for you. Yeah. I mean, look, he had the the little bucket from his his dad. dad. Like he was, everyone wanted to love him. Comes in here, 
trial with big expectations, and he's got a oof. It's tough. And even like he did everything you could have hoped. Like he tried, you know, he fought Perry after Perry need Tavares by accident or not. But like he was one of the guys who would be willing to do that sort of thing, and it just didn't work out. Don't want to trade for someone else who has great intentions, you know, but without the physical ability to do yeah. it. Wow. I, I think he somewhat feels justified with his success in Boston now sure. that he's just, he's still a great player. He's not a front like player like he was in Columbus, a guy that obviously the Leafs kind of traded for still. They were hoping they were getting the front line. Yeah. Nick Felino, but now they're getting the depth Nick Felino in Boston. Yep. I mean, if they could find the depth Nick Felino somewhere else, I bet they'd take it right now. I'm sure how many, how many yeah. are out there? And how many Sean you want to give up? <laughs> yeah. I just feel like it'll be a guy that no one has talked about. Yeah, like, like Labushkin was. Like, Labushkin was the ultimate. Sorry, who's when that? that? When that happened, I was like, to Google. Yeah. Well, in, that's where that's an established strength of Sheldon or uh, uh, Kyle Dubas's. Is it not? With scouting and finding guys. Well, yes. Yeah, for sure. Bunting, Labushkin. I, I don't know if you have to go back to Bill Armstrong and pull another say, one out of Arizona. I was say, it's going to go to Arizona. Yeah. But that seems to pull out names that we don't necessarily associate with and, and find some success there. So that's what uh, Lee fans are hoping for. No question. Okay, we're going to take a break. And then, uh, as we promised, after the break, Bruce Boudreaux, former NHLer, now working back in the media. Back on the dark side. Can't wait to talk to him. Bruce Boudreaux, after the break, you're watching and listening to Real Kipper and Bourne. Get smarter when you listen to Hockey Talk, the Hockey PDO cast with Dmitry Filipovich. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. As promised before the break, Bruce Boudreaux set to join us. Former head coach, the Vancouver Canucks, now pulled right back to the dark side, the media, doing work with an <laughs> NHL network. Let's welcome in Gabby. Hey, Bruce, thanks for doing this, man. How are you? No problem, Nick. I'm okay. How yeah. are you? And uh, Yeah, like right back into it, eh? It's like you, it's like you, you never left. <laughs> well, they won't even give you, you some what? time off. Well, it's not a question of anybody giving me time off. It's my wife saying, get the hell out of the house. You're, <laughs> you're killing me right now. So uh, I was bored, and I, I'm not good at sitting around, and I knew that option was going to be there. So it, uh, it gets you talking hockey all the time, so it's always fun. That's great. Bruce, we appreciate you joining us today. Um, have appreciated your candor and insight over the years. Uh, and I guess I'll just start with sort of a – a generalized look back at how, how do you look back at your time with Vancouver? It was a, a I don't want to say a weird time. You would know better than I, but uh, how do you look back at your time with the Canucks? You know, this is going to be really crazy answers, but I mean, uh, I look back at every time I'm in the NHL as a fabulous time. Um, and getting a chance to work in a Canadian market was uh, something that I'd always wanted to do. And it was a great experience. I mean, uh, there was a lot of highs and lows. You know, the first year there, it was nothing but highs. This year, wasn't very. There wasn't a lot of highs, but I mean, uh, it was a great experience. I'll tell you that. And uh, um, uh, there's passionate fans in Canada. Like I mean, I coached in the states, three different teams and three different kind of uh, markets. But I mean, 
I, I can't imagine what the, the home city would be like, but I mean, Vancouver was crazy and uh, uh, everybody knows who you are. Uh, they, the hockey is the biggest thing going down there. And when you're good, they know you're good. When they're bad, they let you know you're bad. So it's a, it was a great experience, but I, I wouldn't change it for anything. You know, Gabby, uh, you mentioned passionate fans, and it's passionate fans now with an opinion, and it's passionate fans who can write or voice their opinions. And uh, today, I think in the Toronto Star, Damian Cox wrote an article how you should replace Sheldon Keefe today. And it used and it, <laughs> it used to be that you'd, as a coach, you'd deal with a few beat reporters, and at the end of the day, that would be it. Um, but... You know, in the short order that you've been coaching in the last little while, the growth of a Twitter, an Instagram, how did that feel with so many um, watching your every move and having the ability to to write about it or report about it? Um, you know what? I can answer it like this. I, I remember uh, driving uh, through Toronto a few years ago, and uh, some fan... Um, phoned into a, one of the shows and said, you know, there was a shift in the second period where he didn't go to the bench hard or something like that. And I went, man, oh, man, they scrutinized every little thing here. Like, I mean, I couldn't believe how, like, I mean, they would never have done that in Anaheim. You'd never be on a radio show talking hockey or even at the beginning in Washington. But, I mean, I was just astounded uh, at how – uh, that every fan knows so much about the game and watches every portion of the game here. I mean, thank God I'm not on Twitter or any social media uh, thing because I would have lost my mind, I think, just on the criticism alone if you were on there. But, I mean, um, so I try to stay away from there and I don't try to read. I don't read papers. Uh, uh, I'll watch the hockey games, but that'll be that'll be it because as a coach, especially – in Van, I mean, it's too tough. If you start uh, reading and watching all the, the news articles and everything else, man, I mean, it can really play a number on you. Bruce, who are some of the so – I'll take it back, actually. Throughout your career, you've coached different types of people. Like Alex Ovechkin was a unique hockey player, and you have to coach him a little bit differently, I imagine, than you would, oh, if I was your player or someone like that. Are, are there anyone like that on the Canucks who needed a different sort of – a different way to be coached because of their particular skill set or personality? Well, I, I can answer it like this. I mean, and I've done this. Uh, ever since I started coaching, I think one of the things you have to do is be sort of a psychologist a little bit, but uh, I think one of the coach's jobs, other than X's and O's, is to find out what makes everybody tick. And I used to call it find their Achilles heel. And some guys it would be um, uh, take a nice time away. Sometimes it would be embarrassing them on the video. Some some guys needed a pat on the back and you need to talk to them, uh, you know, like – quietly like Mike Green for example if I came down and was screaming at Mike Green it wouldn't his game would not get better but if you took him aside and said Mike I I need you tonight man come on you're my best player and you got to go that would have an effect on him and I think that goes the same with every team I mean every team I've been on there's all these kind of different personalities and they all make uh, and they're all different on what makes them tick and I mean Vancouver was no different they had a lot of 
you know, uh, strong personalities. And at the same time, they had a, a lot of quiet guys. And you've got to find out. It's my job to find out what makes them work. We're talking to Bruce Boudreaux, former NHL coach, 617 career wins and currently on the NHL Network. Uh, Gabby, Saturday night, a 4-3 loss to Columbus for the Toronto Maple Leafs in regulation. Uh, we heard from Sheldon Keefe earlier in our show on uh, on a few of his uh, sound bites, questioning the effort and the competitiveness of his players. As a hit as a head coach, how concerned would you be um, with those comments with under 30 games to go compared to, say, maybe uttering those words in November? Uh, you know, I don't, I don't really think it makes any difference. I mean, some some games you you don't play well. I mean, whether it's game 78 or game 7. I mean, and, uh, you know, I think Sheldon was right on. I mean, they're a better team than Columbus, and they – uh, didn't have one of their better games. But, I mean, I wouldn't worry about it. But that's a coach's job is sometimes to call them out. And uh, uh, you know yourself as a player, Skipper, that, I mean, you didn't play your best for 82 straight games. And sometimes you get into a, a trend where you're not playing well and you need uh, you need to be told that you're not playing well just to make uh, to, to give your head a shake and, and, and check it out. I would not be surprised and especially when you played the same team back-to-back, you might think, oh, we didn't play our best game on, on the first game. and But, I mean, we got them now. They're an easy team. We'll beat them. And you don't, you know, you call it a trap game or you call it whatever you want. But, I mean, it's a, it, it gets you. I would guarantee that the Leafs will, uh, will play an awful lot better the next game because they would have gotten the message. I mean, they're not, you know, I mean, they're all teams nowadays and players are a little bit more sensitive than they were back in the, the 90s, 80s, and 70s. But, I mean, uh, I think they're all smart enough to know that when they didn't play good, they might need a good kick in the butt. And they got the good kick in the butt, and I expect them to be really good the next night. Okay, so uh, Leafs play Wednesday in Chicago. They just have one game uh, this coming week uh, till uh, next Saturday. With you being in a position where you're questioning your, your club's effort or competitiveness, what would a week with one game on a Wednesday look for you? What would, what, where would you focus on? Is it a, is it a, a, a hard skate on uh, Monday or Tuesday without pucks? Uh, is there a lot of short conversations, a ton of meetings? How would you have handled a week going into this? Well, I think the, the no pucks thing is that ship has sailed uh, in today's game. I mean, you could make a hard practice. I mean, if they needed it, I don't know if they needed it or not. Um, uh, but sometimes it's a one-off. He's said his piece, and I mean, he knows those players better than anybody. And I mean, I would ex- I would expect him to react accordingly. I mean, uh, he's he's done a great job with them, and and they're in a lofty position, and it's tough every night when you know you when you know you're playing Tampa in the first round, and you've known it for. 40 games now. I mean, it's uh, uh, tough to get up every night. I, I don't think I would panic over one game, um, especially uh, especially not the Leafs where I watch them a lot and they, and they rebound very quickly. They don't let things um, – I don't know how many losses they've got this year, but, I mean, uh, it's, not a, it's not a ton. And I think, uh, I think they'll be fine against a, a Chicago team that <clears throat> lately has been playing fairly well. They're not – they can't score a lot, but, I mean – they really work hard, so they'll have to work hard if they want to have success, but I'm pretty sure they will. 
Bruce, you know, we're talking about motivating guys and, you know, whether it's a bag skate here or, you know, finding out what makes guys tick. You know, the honest question that I have that I'm kind of been beating around the bushes is just, what was it like coaching JT Miller? Because on the outside right now, we hear a lot of, you know, oh, he's a problem or he's this great guy or we, we don't we don't have any sense. What was your experience like? Well, you know what? I knew that was the question you were getting at. That's uh-huh. what I'm trying to dodge it. You're savvy. <laughs> uh, no, but it, hey, listen, I really like JT. Yeah. And I want passionate players on my team. And JT's a passionate player. And sometimes his passion would, um, uh, you know, get the better of him for short periods of time. But he would bounce right back. It would be, okay, it's done, boom. He's a really good guy. He's a really liked player in the dressing room. He's a really good hockey player. I mean, if... if I was ever coaching again and I could get him on my team. I would want him in a heartbeat. He's not a problem at all. He's just, he's just a passionate hockey player. And I would love to take a passionate hockey player that wants to win every night over the guy that just is very, um, very laissez affair or whatever that word is that I'm trying to say. (laughs) I think you got it right. So when he, when he, when he uh, banged his stick on the crossbar to get your third string goalie out of the net, uh, that's passion. That's a uh, guy misunderstood. Well, that was me. That was me. <laughs> he was looking at me and I was saying, stay in until JT, JT didn't look at the goalie stick looking at me and he's banging the stick on the net, telling him to go with only 40 seconds to go. I mean, um, I, I think that was made mountain out of a molehill. Yeah. And I think it was Julia's second game. So he didn't know, uh, uh, it might have even been his first game. So he didn't, he's looking at me. I'm sitting there, got my hand out. Hold on, wait till we start bringing the puck up the ice. And JT's going, go, go, go. JT's not looking at me. He knows what should have been happening. So, I mean, uh, that that wasn't on him at all. That was totally on me. You're probably like, I can't even believe I'm still having this conversation. But anyway, we had to have it. Um, the other thing that we obviously, I know we've asked you about the Leafs a little bit. But I do want to get your sense for the type of play. You're talking about passion and, you know, Guy Miller will get on guys, get in each other's face. We don't see that here in Toronto. You know, what is your sense for how necessary that grit and passion and physicality is in the playoffs? Like, do the Leafs need to add someone at the deadline, import a little bit of that, or does it have to come from the inside, or do you need it at all? Well, I don't know what they need. I don't know the personalities of the Leafs players. I mean, uh, they're just a great team uh, to me. And, and, you know, like when you're a top five team in the NHL and the Leafs are, and you happen to play another t- top five team in the NHL, it's really not fair that one of them loses, but one of them loses in the first round. And I mean, we keep getting mad at the Leafs, but I mean, they've played, you know, uh, uh, when you lose to Tampa, who's been in the cup finals three times, other than the fact that fans really want the Leafs to win, it's, uh, it's it's a 50-50 proposition even before they start. Um, and as far as what the Leafs go, I'll tell you what, they know an awful lot more than what they need than I do. They, I thought they've changed their game this year, and they're so much better defensively. For most of the year, they've been a top 5-10 uh, to 10, a defensive team in the league. They don't play the run-and-gun style that uh, maybe the last couple of years where let's just score six and, and let the other team see what they can do uh i think they've changed their game uh, a lot and i think they play more like playoff hockey uh will 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 help them and i mean i think that's you know that's sheldon being a good coach i mean uh understanding what it uh what it's going to take to win 
Tampa understood what it would take to win. It was a couple of players. They went out and got them. I think the Leafs have changed their, their style a little bit. They still are tremendously offensive, but I mean, at the, at the same time, they're, they're really a lot more responsible defensively. And I think that's going to really help them. And I think uh, when it comes to the playoffs, it's going to be another seven-game series, and hopefully that they can prevail this time. Another topic, uh, Gabby, is uh, Michael Bunting. We had Anthony Stewart earlier on in the show, and he made an excellent point that, uh, you know, he's a guy that likes to drag people into the fight, and he's done it on many occasions. But there is uh, the times when it's uh, a little over dramatic with him uh, drawing penalties or uh, being engaged with the officials. I'm sure you've coached players like this in the past. What do you do? What do you say to a, a Michael Bunting to get uh, a lot of those uh, uh, positive vibes back in, in your um, in your court? Um, well, I mean, yeah, we've all had players like that. I've had the um, the Matt Cooks and Sean Averys and yeah. um, you know, and stuff that uh, that they go a little overboard. Sometimes I don't know if Michael does this or how how much he does it because I haven't. When you're playing in Vancouver, as much as you're trying to watch the the Leafs as much as I can, you don't get to see them when you're when you're when you're working. But um, uh, if he if he, I think it's just coach talking to player and player understanding what you have to do. And I think uh, uh, I think if you if you're if you can get if you're getting through to him, and I think it's not hard to get through to any player. Like I said, you just push the right buttons on the player, and he'll he'll work it like. Michael Bunting, if he if he gets over um, uh, overzealous, I guess is the word. I mean, they might just put him on the third line a couple times rather than playing the top six, and I think that that usually does the trick. But I mean, uh, I have no idea um, what what they're trying, what methods they're going to try to use, or if they're even necessary to to use to to get him going. I think he's a pretty fine hockey player myself. Bruce, one last one for me. I, I just want to, you know, I'm a former American League video coach. I want to get a sense of how much you lean on a video coach. How kind of, you know, it's just the technology has changed so much, even from when I was doing it. How much is that a part of your daily routine? Are you best buddies with your video coach? Absolutely the best. <laughs> we had Dylan Crawford and Greg Hood. We have two of them, and their office is adjacent to mine with a window between the two. And I mean, we're talking all the time. I mm-hmm. and I told them uh, their job is much more than than just video and cutting up video and and preparing uh, what we want to watch. But they find it as quick as we can as they get it. And we and the video in nowadays is is so advanced. I mean, there's different systems every year popping up that you have to learn. And uh, I don't know. It's it's hard to imagine. Um, when there was even one video coach only, uh, let alone none. And that was a short, you know, maybe 15, 10, 15 years ago, there was no video coaches. You had to cut up all the stuff yourself. And I mean, uh, uh, so it's, but they're invaluable. They're totally part of the coaching um, team. Like now, and when we had coaches meetings, they were included in every meeting. So, I mean, uh, and, and they usually when they get to know the coach really well, they get to read him. They usually have the stuff that he wants before the coach even asks for it because they, they know what the coach wants. And then they put that in their, their uh, folders. And like, if I want all the neutral zone plays, 
and I'm and and he would uh, have it all there ready for me before I even asked for it. So I mean, these are the kind of things that they do, and uh, uh, like I said, they're invaluable nowadays. And I mean, we have um, six coaches on our staff now, and then the Sedin brothers as development coaches were there all the time. So I mean, we'd have eight eight coaches that have an ideas and I'd sit there and we'd go into um, some of the older buildings where there's only room for two coaches. <laughs> they haven't expanded the coaches rooms and we'd go, man, this is antiquated because there's so many more coaches in every situation now yeah. on every team. That's awesome. One more for me, Gabby, before I let you go. And that is that uh, of course uh, you were born and raised in, in Toronto. So, you know, the, 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 the scrutiny around, uh, uh, NHL hockey in, in Canada, and yet you you coached in places like Anaheim, uh, Washington, and Minnesota. But is, is there anything that could prepare you or anyone for the fishbowl of coaching in the National Hockey League in Canada, particularly in Vancouver? Well, coaching in Vancouver will prepare you for anywhere. <laughs> was it was it everything you thought it would be? Was it less, more, or, or right where uh, you know, right where you thought? Well, you know what it uh, it was probably a little more. And like I'd said before, like from the radio thing, is I would, for example, I would go around and normally you talk to players on the ice while they're warming up and and everything else before practice. And I'd get questions. Uh, I saw you talk to Bo Horvat for 30 seconds there. Were you talking about his leaving? Well, you know, I mean, <laughs> they would just notice every little thing. You came to the bench early. Uh, you were on the ice five minutes early. Was that because you needed to talk to people? Like every little thing, I found out very early in my tenure there that, I mean, they uh, they watch everything because there's all the, there's And it's not just one reporter with a hat that says press on it. There's a dozen people every, every, every time you go there and they're looking for all the little things and you, you have to be prepared. I mean, it's a, it's a different, it's a different mindset. It'd probably be like um, uh, a media guy doing the Yankees. Uh, I'm thinking from New York. And that's, uh, uh, I, I loved it quite frankly. Uh, I think, I mean, I'm such a hockey nut and love to talk hockey that, I mean, uh, uh, I had no problem with them, whether they're they're right on or they were fishing or whatever they were doing. I mean, it was always interesting uh, on all the pressers that we did before before the games or after the games. Well, look what it's done for your cameo appearances. Prior to coaching in Vancouver, you were you were charging five bucks, right, for a message. <laughs> and and now what are you at? About nine hundred dollars. I got off that. <laughs> I got off that uh, once we started losing. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, when's your birthday, JB? Uh, that's on December. Kev. Oh, Long yeah. Sammy, off. you got a birthday coming up? We can get one for free right now out of Gabby. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's okay. We'll we'll uh, we'll, we'll cash in we'll our uh, discount later. Okay, sounds great. All right, Bruce Boudreaux, thanks so much for your time, man, and wish you the best of luck. Thanks so much, Bruce. Thank you. Appreciate it. Okay, bye bye. Bruce Boudreaux. What a guy. As popular as you'll ever see. He should be. He should be. He tells it like it is. I mean, you get frustrated sometimes. You hear coaches give all the like, well, yeah, you know, giving it our best. And, you know, they say nothing. Bruce went out there and said stuff 
you know, it catches fire sometimes, but he was a straight shooter. Got to give him credit for that. Hey, listen, uh, now still has a reputation as a guy that could come in and maybe clean up or mop up uh, a, a team if <laughs> it was, that did come up I'm recently not, in an article. I'm not leaning. I don't believe. I don't believe for one Has second. That, about that recently? I, I, I don't believe for one second that that's going to uh, be a, a scenario. And we oh. mentioned earlier, uh, Damien Cox writing an article for the Toronto Star today, suggesting that uh, they there's a coaching change and a guy like uh, Bruce Boudreau could come in. Now, and, you, hey, you, know, you don't soften it because he didn't. He said, "Fire Keith, bring in Boudreau." Yeah, and. We know historically it hasn't happened very often this late in the season, uh, but there has been a, on occasion. But there's just there's just no way if you didn't even contemplate it uh, during a rough stretch at the beginning of the season. Yeah, you're you're not there now, and it's still a, a top contending team. The numbers, yeah. the success in his regular season, yeah, no, no, no one's going there. No, and you can have the opinion that he's not the right coach. You can have the opinion earlier in the year that he needs to get fired. There's 28 games left. You know, implement a new system and see if it works. Now, you thought you were uncomfortable yeah. having the bottom six auditions at this point, yeah. let alone a whole new yeah. thing. You know, it, it's, I don't know, I do understand the teams have changed coaches Later in the season, I don't know about a top five team in the NHL doing it. Well, and specifically this top five team, right? They've said Sheldon, this is it. And Sam and I were saying before, and you too, before the show, it's if he wins in the first round, he may keep his job. If he loses, he's fine. Yes, and it's as, it's simple gambit, as, as simple as that. But we are also talking about a team that lost how many in a row in the first round. And seven, six, seven, doubled seven. down and tripled down. And well, they got no chips left, right? Here, the whole thing's in the pot. Here. It's it's in. Yeah. Last year was an example where okay, they're going to come back. No one's getting fired, but there has to be uh, one of their top four guys traded. Get a defenseman. That didn't happen either. So to suggest that uh, all know, of a sudden they're going to be like yes. We're going to go off the board. No, if you made it here, you're living and dying by what the bed you've made here. <laughs> it's just yes. a real mixed metaphor there, but whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> put a couple different ways in that one. <laughs> All right, um, news and notes around the league. Uh, let's start with Jacob Chikrin held out uh, and will be held out for the remainder of the Arizona Coyote games. Yep. You've got him going to L.A. Well, uh, L.A., the uh, 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 Brent uh, Clark uh, was the the name that uh, a lot of people that I had heard on the inside focusing in. I think it's another example of the value that they have on top of Jacob Chikrin with his three more cracks at a Stanley Cup at $4.6 million. That mm. puts the value of this trade above Bo Horvat's, uh, and we'll see where Timo Meyer falls, but this... This means that you got to give us what we consider your top prospect. We yeah. went through this with uh, Matthew Nyes yeah. with the Leafs, and now Clark's a top 10 player, eighth overall pick in 2021. He's got to be one of the top prospects in the league. Has to be. Yeah, he's really, really good. And and ripping it up since he's been returned from the he's World got Juniors. 26 points in 15 games for the Barry Colts this year so as a defense. If, wow. if yeah. you're. Wow. 
if you are Arizona, if you're Bill Armstrong, why wouldn't you ask for a guy like that? Sure. Yeah, I, I totally get that. You know, I do have questions with L.A. Like, who, who do they think they are? Like, where do they think they are? They're, what are they, like an even goal differential team that's on the fringes of the playoffs? Yeah. However, with Chikrin, he's a multi-year guy. He's a long-term asset. You know, I so I, I get it. They're still kind of ahead of schedule, the Kings, I think. Like, even for sure. them to have made the playoffs last year. But you worry about moving in too early before you're ready. But, like, they, but they are, you know, they're down in the first wild card spot now. They are. I guess Kopitar's getting older. They're five points up in the last spot. So Audi's getting older. Like yeah. you can't wait that long. I don't know. It's fascinating spot. Yeah. So, so Leafs not happening then. You know. Listen, as, as they say, it's everybody should be open. Everybody should be talking until the deal is done and it's uh, stamped by the league. Why wouldn't the Leafs continue talking and and? Mm-hmm trying to find something that uh, improves their hockey club. I uh, Names that are being bantered now don't mean necessarily that, that those are the names that you're going to end up with. Mm-hmm. We know this time of year things get floated out. Uh, there's uh, test balloons. Am I allowed to use that? <laughs> Am I allowed to use yeah, balloons? you are. It's a very hot. And UFOs. So that's, that's part of the game right now. Yeah. Yeah. I, it is fascinating, and you know, I mentioned those other big names you don't trust as much. Like Chikrin, you're sure, is a player player. But yeah. I will say, you've seen a couple of clips. You know, now that he's more in the news, people are watching him more closely. Yes. And it's like, okay, there's some yeah. flaws. You know, like most players, he's got his warts. So St. Louis probably had the first rounder on the table from the New York Rangers, decided to take it now. Yeah. He might not be there at the end. And they had to throw in the big defenseman there um, Mikola. Mikola yeah who comes in as a five or six but one of those guys where you could easily tire of playing against in a, yeah. in a best of seven because he's six five and he's got like octopus hands it was interesting. Rangers are red hot right now. They're, they've won in five in a row they're Panarin, so, Panarin so scored four the other night Tarasenko scores in his debut like so as an Islanders can, fan watching the Oilers and Rangers be red hot yeah, not great not good <laughs> can you remind me when their letter went out to the fans, much like the Philadelphia mm-hmm. Flyers, it was a plea to be patient. That's a good question. And hold on, that was four years ago. It's pre-Panarin. A, a letter of Tor- intent that we're an original six team. We have a tremendous amount of pride, but we need to do this. Hey, question. And they are a contending team right now. Would you not have them as a contending team? One of the favorites you know one of the, um, the boston when, when did that go out 2018 february 8 2018 okay question was yes. tortorella the coach then <laughs> there question no no when was i don't remember no he was years. coaching no, he's well gone yeah he's well gone yeah he's columbus so let me ask you something when that letter went out were the leafs way ahead of their kind of build-up well, yeah, they were in year two, two or Matthews. three yeah. or something yeah, of their playoff Matthews. pushes. Yeah. Okay. Both, both it's also really for to me that Have the Rangers passed the Leafs, ago. you think, in your mind? Or... They're there, yeah. I mean, they're neck and neck. If I if I had to pick them in a series, I'd probably pick the Rangers you today. Would, eh? Yeah. Gun to my head, if they asked me which roster I'd want to have be the Leafs roster, it would be a tough choice. <laughs> but if I yeah. could have the Rangers you got to give them credit for, for stockpiling assets 
And well, Keandre Miller made right? a huge difference for them. He became a stud. He is quick. He's range. a rock star. Yeah, I range. love him. And they're big. Yeah, and they got bigger with yeah. Mikola. I, you know, I was thinking about that. Boy, it's like Tarasenko and Mikola. What's that? A left winger and a bottom B? That might have played. And Shesterkin. And Shesterkin, yeah. And Panarin all of a sudden feels good because he's got a buddy now in did, Tarasenko. Did he score four on Saturday night? Yes. Panarin? Yeah, it's pretty good. It's a good amount of goals to have in a game. Timo Meyer, the biggest name out there now outside of Pat Kane, if he says yes or no and... Well, Timo Meyer's a bigger name in terms of not Future. not fame, but Future. help you this year. Yeah, I think. Um, and there was a, uh, there was another article. Yeah, that, you know, Jonas Eagle yes, wrote a little bit about Meyer. Yeah, and, in the Athletic, and basically said it's viable for the Leafs to do it. Yeah, you know. So the reality is, you trade for Meyer, and he is the next team. Whoever has his rights, you were explaining this to me better before the yes. show, but basically has to offer him a one-year, $10 million deal. That's yes. his qualifying offer, yeah. or he becomes a free agent. Unless you get him to sign on a dotted line on an extension, which he's eligible to sign at any moment. And which could be less than the $10 million if he, but he would only yes. take it if it's got massive term. If you said eight times eight, five. You know, the only question I ask you is, are athletes now in a position to bet on themselves does he take the surefire ten million and then pick his spot the following year anywhere he wants to go for yeah. what we think would be a much higher cap, and and be in yeah. a position to maybe match his ten million if he comes off another thirty five forty goal season, or would he welcome a trade and sign at eight or eight and a half? Well, and the other thing there too is you could trade for him and have him as a $6 million player, have them retain, have him as a $3 million player. Oh, my chair just dropped down. Um, But then you could trade him. You could trade him as an RFA and recoup some of the assets and say to someone else, you have Timo Meyer now. You can either give him the 10 or extend him. And if you're Meyer, the idea of being extended for eight years with that team might be the incentive you need to sign. I'm sure it was for Bo but, Horvat. But it is taking a chance. Oh, it sure is. It's taking a chance that uh, you, uh, Timo says, uh, I'm playing out my option. That uh, yeah. unless you offer me a match at my $10 million, yeah, I'll bet on myself. And, uh, and then you're caught. Well, then, then you got to trade. Bilbo Baggins. That's your only options. Nylander's gone at that point. It's, or you, you see if someone wants Meyer at one year, $10 million. There'd be takers. Don't you think? I I, I would think yeah. it would be hard, though. Yeah, someone it would be, be hard like, to fit that. Re- retain in, two. Uh, we're talking about next year. So yeah. even if they renegotiate the cap, which we yeah. think that, that it might, it'll be heading there, yeah. we're talking about a minimal $3 million maybe. I mean that's massive to, to me. It'd be hard to be add great. that, and I think we're we're experiencing that with all the Carlson, Eric Carlson talk mm-hmm. linking him to the Edmonton Oilers, yeah. and when it's all said and done, how do you how do you make this happen with a commitment still of uh, three or four more years, Sammy, on Eric Carlson? And I think four. Can you convince? San Jose to pick up 50%. No chance. That's a tough, that's a tough pill to swallow for an owner. First round picks, probably not going to. I'm I'm paying, I'm paying. Depends if he likes hockey or not. You know what I mean? Like if it's a smart, you can pay 20 million for first round picks out the wazoo. Uh, 
I mean, the MLSE would love to do that. But I understand your point. Yeah. As a San Jose Sharks owner, maybe there's less appeal of paying $20 million for assets that pay, may not become pay, something. Pay, exactly. Yeah. Like, first of all, is it, a, is it a salary dump or do you really think you're going to end up with a couple of first-rounders and a blue-chip prospect? Or is it going to be, I'm doing you a favor here, so... Well, that's the other thing, too, is... Is Edmonton saying, we're doing you a favor, we're going to get rid of a... It's the Max Pacioretty thing with Carolina where you say, well, take him off your hands. You don't have the cap space. And if you're the Oilers, you're saying to San Jose, you're not trying to win right now. So we're doing you a favor, taking this huge hit off your books. We'll give you a third-round pick. We'll take the salary. You have the cap space. That's your new asset. Because that is... Teams now look at cap space as an asset like they did picks and prospects in the past. Yeah, but that's all of a sudden picked up steam, hasn't it, Carlson? Carlson to the Oilers? Yes. Yeah. You've been talking about this for four months, Kip. Well, I, I was talking about a guy that certainly uh, is on his way to win a Norris. I mean, my God. Right? How about him really on the hard Oilers not to power give him a Norris. play? He's got to be the best power play D-man in the NHL for God knows how long. You know well, what somebody... Um, stay out of the, stay out of the box. Many, too many Oya. cooks, though, maybe? He's, he's, he's also actually got good numbers, uh, five on five. Oh, like uh, scoring numbers. Yeah, like uh, the goals and assists. Yes. yes. Oh, yeah. Like he is... Uh, he might have more even strength points than McDavid. Or goal, like he's up yeah. there. Like it's. I think people set, tend to think uh, he's, uh, de- he's detrimental defensively. Yeah. But when he's on the ice... You got a better chance of scoring than oh, having God, a goal yeah. scored against the, you. The play is going that way right? this year. Yeah, I mean, he's been. But the other thing too is, guys, like you know, you can you can link uh, you can link Carlson to Edmonton all day long, but somebody's got to ask him. Would you and your wife want to go and play in Edmonton for the next four years? That is such. You know, I thought of that too when I heard of that. I was like, so he's a no move. Yes, and no you're move. you're going to go to him in San Jose yeah. and say. Yeah. Would you like to go to yeah. Edmonton for four years? Yeah. Ottawa's pretty cold in the winter, too, boys. He played there a long yeah, time. Yeah, but here's the difference. So he liked it? He, play- <laughs> he, he, he played there when he didn't have any other choice. Yes. He was a free agent, and he handpicked the Pacific Ocean as a view. Yeah, the Swedes. Li- <laughs> the Swedes like the cold. Hey. I love you as the okay, teenager right. from Simpsons. All right. Maybe you know something, Sammy. No, I know nothing. I but- would love, yeah. Is that uh, would that be musty TV Carlson and Connor McDavid? Uh, do you think Dreisaitl? though there's a thing like is that too many good players and people are gonna be like shut up that's dumb? But like who runs the power play? They're the best power play in the NHL. Can someone make it better? Why well, you need somebody to play on that that the back? Yeah, I mean Tyson Berry has yes, done okay. Oh, Tyson's already. They can't ship Tyson back to San Jose fast enough. Yeah, would that be the? Oh, they'd yeah. have to unload that. Yes. Yeah. There's no world where Carlson comes in and and Tyson Berry's still there. Ah. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. But who who was it tweeting about? Or maybe Elliot said today that Barry is like an integral part of the internal workings in Edmonton. They love him. He's a good guy. No Carlson then. Yeah, I know. I know. I'm I'm sure the guys are like, we absolutely love him and we can catch up in the summer. Yeah, <laughs> you know, see you on the golf course. Yeah, we'll book a tea time yeah. in Hawaii, and yeah. we will catch up. We're okay, but yeah, I understand that it's a there. Are, there are personalities at work, but you want the best players possible. Uh, Luke Shen, all of a sudden, not that cheap to trade for him. Isn't he on waivers? 
three years yeah, ago? Yeah, a while ago. Yeah. Uh, that that kind of ship sailed. Now yeah. it's you're getting a, a leader. You're getting a guy yeah. that's playing 17 minutes a night. You I get, worry you're about the cup the, champ guy who's yeah, you're getting the most physical uh, uh hitter yeah. in nhl uh, modern history yeah i know you're right i mean it's it's all that i just worry that the reputation has outgrown reality you know what i mean like wow. i all of a sudden it's not that far-fetched to think that you 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 might press for a first rounder or a second rounder if the Leafs trade a first rounder for Luke Shen, I'm not coming into work the next day. No disrespect to Luke Shen. He's a very good and valuable player. That is funny. That is funny. All right. Just like that, two hours. Sammy, do I have to, from the gala, do I have to get you home by midnight or are you going to turn into something? Um, don't know, Kipper. Don't know. Don't know, buddy. All right. <laughs> Just getting have through tonight, here. Fellas. Just we'll, getting through. We'll have some fun. Of course, it's uh, a night with the blue and white presented by Rogers. Uh, the Leaf Gala, where Sammy will make his debut. All right. Our thanks to Anthony Stewart. Our thanks to Bruce Boudreaux. Give us a rating and review if you get a chance. Thanks for joining us. We're back tomorrow.